The Braves Radio Network channel on the podcast park is brought to you by Truist Bank. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Hey, welcome to Braves Country. Before there was Stetson Bennett, there was Benjamin Franklin, Buck Ballou. Buck Ballou famously quarterbacked the Georgia Bulldogs to a 12-0 record in 1980, culminating with a 17-10 win over Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl to give UGA a national championship. And this year, Buck takes Dogs fans on a trip down memory lane with his new book, Inside the Hedges, the quarterback's journey to the 1980 national championship. The Valdosta, Georgia native also lettered in baseball all four years at Georgia, played three years in the Montreal Expos organization, played pro football at the USFL for the Jacksonville Bulls, and coached at Valdosta State. And since 2000, as we all know, Buck Ballou has been a key sports radio host on 680 The Fan. So it's quite an honor to have him join us today. Buck Ballou, welcome to Braves Country. Man, it's good to be with you. This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach, beautiful Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today, 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast. Braves Country also sponsored by Smith's Old Bar, best live music venue in Atlanta since 1994, located in the heart of Midtown at 1578 Piedmont Avenue. Smith's Old Bar is a neighborhood joint for everyone. Check out smithsoldbar.com for the current concert calendar and tickets. See y'all at Smith's. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, the word's out on you guys. What? Really? Everybody's listening. No. no we don't, really? You heard the show before, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, you're too kind. On this show, Buck, we talk about some good old Southern food. We talk about baseball. We talk about football and just talk about life in general. Every now and then, uh, slip in a little bit of uh, the good Lord's message and try to just do good. Good formula. Yeah, man, it yeah. seems to be. The, uh, the new book, Inside the Hedges, the quarterback's journey to the 1980 National Championship book started just by your notes. Just you've been taking notes for a lot yeah, of years. Yeah, Dad was a salesman uh, back in the day, and he had these daily planners that he would write down uh, his day-to-day activities so he could plan it all out. And when I went to Georgia, he handed me one and said, hey, you might want to take this along. And what I started doing was coming down back in the dorm at the end of the day and just jotting down some of the memorable moments uh, during the course of the day and not really knowing what I was going to do with them, you know, mm-hmm. but... Uh, you know, as it turns out, that was a great resource for me as I sat down to write the book. Mom kept a uh, ongoing scrapbook back in the day with all the uh, newspaper articles, and that turned out to be a valuable source of reference for me, too, as I sat down to look back at the 1980 season, and that was really helpful. Uh, those, uh, those things paid off, man. We also got a uh, DVD of each of the games of the 1980 season because not all the games were on TV back then. And so I was able to go back and uh, watch each individual game, take some notes, 
do a play-by-play and reference that, too, as I sat down. It, uh, the beginning of the book is, is more of a uh, backstory. Look back at uh, Valdosta High School and all those good days down in Valdosta. I'd, through the years, guys, I just had so many people that came up and wondered, hey, how was Valdosta winning all those high school football games? And if I had a dollar for every time I was asked that question, I'd be a rich man right now. So I knew that there was some interest there. So that's really how the book gets started. We're uh, bragging on a, a lot of the people back in Valdosta, my hometown, and talk about recruiting. And there were some good stories that went along with with that, uh, shared some of those. Talked about the baseball thing, you know, the two-sport athlete, the challenges there, and Try to pass along uh, maybe a little information that could help some other young man trying to do the multi-sport thing. And then really settled in on the 1980 season and game by game went through the season. Man, you were two sports before Dion or Bo Jackson even came along. You're the real deal. The original. You know, my grandmother lived in Athens. Uh, She lived alone. I never got to meet my grandfather. This is on my dad's side. But she, uh, as long as I remembered, lived in Athens on millage right there on uh, fraternity row sorority row and we would go up and visit during the spring and we would always go and see a georgia baseball game and then we would come back in the fall and go see a georgia football game and so we always look forward to those trips to go see mama sarah as we called her, and because we got to go see, uh, you know, Georgia play baseball, and then in the fall go see Georgia play football. And I saw Andy Johnson, who was a uh, one of Georgia's finest quarterbacks and athletes, was a uh, shortstop, and I the light sort of came on. I said, oh, okay, he's playing both baseball and football. And then uh, another year we came up, and Tennessee was in town playing baseball, and I saw Condridge Holloway, one of the Tennessee quarterbacks from back in the day, playing shortstop also. And I said, you know, this can be done. And at that point in time, that was the dream, okay? I wanted to go to college, really wanted to go to Georgia, play for the dogs in both football and baseball. So it was a dream come true being able to do that. What are some of the things that when you were making those notes – because everybody can go back and talk about Lindsey Scott and run Lindsey Run and uh, Herschel Walker, my God, a freshman. Vince Dooley, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Larry Munson, the legendary voice. Irk Russell. I mean, there's great stories that everybody knows. What are some of the stories that people don't know about them? Like the moments you have in the locker room or the moments you have on the road or just some of those interactions that you have that weren't on national TV. Munson, we, we didn't get a lot of interaction with Larry. And the times that you could, he always was on our charter flight when when our team went out of town and he stayed at our team hotel and it seemed like Larry spent a lot of time in the lobby and so I made it a habit of going down there and spending I don't know 20 uh, 30 45 minutes with Larry every road trip just to kick it around with Larry he'd be puffing on a cigar and you know notoriously Larry would say okay uh, Buck uh, you know which one of these cheerleaders are you going out with and I'll say well Larry that's against the rules man you're not, you're not supposed to go out with a qu- oh come on you can tell me which one of these girls you're going out with you know I think he was a guy that was uh, you know he had that movie club with some of the co-eds at Georgia. (laughs) So Larry always seemed to be interested in in the cheerleaders (laughs) uh, that we had there. And he had some fishing stories. And, you know, really looking back, I just, I'm so glad I, you know, left the hotel room uh, knowing Larry would be in the lobby just to go down there and hang out with him. Get a good laugh. 
Now, yeah. you know, the, one of the most famous calls, of course, is uh, Run, Lindsay, Run. And uh, you, of course, uh, threw that pass to him. And, um, and so when I think about that play, I, I hear Larry's voice. And do you, did you, when did you hear that call? Like, you obviously didn't hear it when it happened. Did you hear it, like, the next day? or And, and does it stick with you when you have that memory? Do you hear that call? Well, you know, I mean, we were sky high. We didn't need that delta to get back uh-huh. to Athens uh, <laughs> that night in Jacksonville on the way back home. It wasn't until early the next week that we realized that this call that he had on the radio was, was epic. And so we all, uh, you know, had a chance to, to hear the recording of that, and it was sort of the buzz. You know, and I remember thinking, gosh, you know, what an honor to, to be a part of a play that, that Bulldog fans will look back on and put their arms around that really uh yeah that goes above and beyond any dream that i remember having and so that was an honor and then you uh you hear the call and you go holy cow i mean this is there anybody better yeah. to to make a call a big play like like that in georgia football history and you know we've admired it ever since you know for me th- that call and many of Larry Munson's calls, but that one specifically, I mean, that's up there for me with, with, with Hank Aaron's home run, man, because those are those are legendary things that I grew up with. You yeah, know, those cornerstone moments. Oh my yeah. gosh. There's gonna be some property destroyed tonight. <laughs> that's right. But I'm saying though, but think about that. I mean, and I'm sure you have before, but just thinking about something that you were involved in that has such an impression on people, kinda like a legendary call for the Atlanta Braves and Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record. And you to be involved in in a call that means that much to so many other people, man. Is that a perspective you've ever thought about? Uh, it's humbling, you know. It, uh, I grew up a Georgia fan and uh, dreaming of you know maybe one day having a chance to play for the Dogs. And you know you just don't dream that big. Having Munson make the call, right? I mean, you don't even think about things like that until it happens, and then you you obviously are so honored to be a part of it and to uh, be a part of Larry's call who had so many great calls at Georgia, by the way. Boy, howdy, did he ever. That's just one of them. No, no kidding. There is a laundry list. Sugar falling falling from the sky. I'm telling you, there's there's those days, Scott, that the the beauty of working with Buck is that sometimes you just get into these conversations like this in the hallway. Yeah. And and it's just magical to to know somebody that was actually part of it, that was literally a part of it, built it. You talked about, as we talked to Buck Ballou on the Braves Country podcast here on the Braves Radio Network. Did you have something else what were you about to say? No. Okay, wait. Go, let's go back to Valdosta High School because you brought that up. Only quarterback to start all four years for the Valdosta Wildcat. <laughs> Inducted into the Valdosta High School Hall of Fame in 07? Uh, I think so. Does that yeah. mean as much to you as your dog's history? I mean, is that a, a, really important to you? Well, you know, I hear that, uh, you know, when I speak and, and things like that, somebody introduces me, they uh, a lot of times bring up the only guy to start for it. Look, I was terrible that first year. I I had no business being My God, a freshman. <laughs> yeah, that freshman should have been on the bench yeah. is what, what should have happened. But, look, two weeks before our first game, the starter quits. The week of the first game, the backup quarterback sprains an ankle. And they're saying, Baloo, uh, get on in there, son. Buddy, strap up your helmet. Let's go. And I was thinking, you know, I'm not ready for this. And I went out. I, I performed horribly that season. Now, we were waking up with for sale signs in our front yard on Saturday morning after a Friday night football game. People took it that serious. And, boy, my dad, Big Ben Baloo, was, he'd go out there and rip those signs. There'd be more than one, by the way. But he'd rip those signs out of the, 
the grass and throw them over in the trash pile. You know, he was all uh, upset about it. And then, you know, at some point that year, he said, uh, look, son, you're going to have to start playing better or we're going to have to move. <laughs> we're going to have to move out of town. No they pressure. take it serious down yeah. here. That's amazing. And so really uh, had no business being that quarterback that fourth year. Uh, the first the year first of the year. four. Yeah, know. that's still it's still pretty darn incredible. Terrible. But then things changed. Yeah, and it was one of the great lessons I've learned in life that uh, we, we ended that that season, I think it was the first losing season Valdosta Hyatt had in like, uh, you know, 1,500 years or something like that. <laughs> Since the creation <laughs> no, of college and, or high school football. And so it was really embarrassing. But uh, the final regular season game that season, Nick Hyder, our coach, after the game said, okay, next season starts on Monday. So take the weekend off, and we'll see you Monday morning at 6 a.m. It's before school. And we went to work, man. Uh, we hit that weight room and doing a lot of strength and uh, agility work, uh, really dedicating ourselves. And uh, Coach Hyder, I remember him standing in the middle of us there, and he'd blow his whistle. <laughs> Everybody would stop, and he would say, Gentlemen, we work while the opponent sleeps. And then blow the whistle back to work okay he just reminded you <laughs> man we were 10 and 2 and in the state playoffs the very next season good and i at that point in time in my life i said okay you can outwork people and that's exactly what we did what a great life lesson that was to learn that between my freshman and sophomore year goodness i'm telling you high school football in the state of georgia it is so important and people are so passionate about it even to this day, Buck, you're passionate about high school football. And I know you got boys playing high school football, so it's you know it, it's easy to be wrapped up in it. But I bet you'd be even if you didn't. Well, yeah, and when they were, you know, youth league football, we would always pick out a game on Friday night and, and just go be a part of the, the scene as far as, you know, uh, go suck up the atmosphere, see some of the players we've been hearing about. And so even uh, even – to this day, you know, when they're, when they're not playing, we'll we'll pick out a high school game nearby and go check it out. Tell us about pro baseball. Uh, what about uh, your time with the Montreal Expos organization? How did that all work out for you? You know, the dream of mine growing up as a kid was uh, to, to play professional baseball. Uh, that was the dream. And so to be drafted out of high school was, you know, was really uh, an honor. Uh, you know, at the time, I was saying, hey, man, it'd be nice to be drafted by the Atlanta Braves. Right. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? That would have been cool. Uh, the year I was drafted, though, they took Bob Horner with their first-round pick. That's a oh. relatively good choice. Yeah, I thought, it, <laughs> as it turned out, it was a really good choice. And he went, he skipped over the minor leagues, man. He went straight to the show. Yeah. Right to the show. I spent some time in the minor leagues uh, riding those buses do you, do you have any contact with anybody from your minor league days? You know, because obviously Montreal, that organization doesn't exist in that form anymore. Yeah. Now the, the Washington Nationals. Yeah, I had to tell my sons, look, it was the Washington Nationals organization. Yeah. I said, okay, yeah. yeah. yeah if I said yeah. the Montreal Expos, they say, well, who's that? I never heard Well, of they're the uh, Nationals now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know, there were a handful of guys that made it to, to the big leagues. I played with Andres Scalaraga. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who, uh, West Palm Beach Expos, Florida State League Class A. I think he led the league with 14 home runs that year and what ended up being a big, powerful home run hitter in the big leagues. But let me tell you, in the Florida State League, all right, you got that thick, uh, salty air. Most of the ballparks around the ocean are nearby. And you're playing in big league ballparks. So you're talking about big outfields. You know, you had a jacket to get it out of there. Yeah. But uh, he was he was fun being around. They, you know, the funniest thing about playing, I was 
played in a year and a half in the Florida State League, <clears throat> and those Florida G- uh, Gator fans that would come out, you know, typically there'd be, uh, you know, 50, 100 fans in the, the stadium, Florida State League, and Boy, they were riding me big time, you know. Blue, well, you can't <laughs> hand it to Herschel now. What are you oh, going to do? Oh, they course. went there. They went there. And uh, I was, uh, you know, there were times where they were riding me so hard, I didn't go to the on-deck circle. I'd just wait in the dugout until oh. it was my time to hit and go straight to the plate. And these guys like Galarraga and some of the other, uh, mostly the Latino guys, they never could understand why these fans had picked me out to haze me during these games. Uh, you probably took a little heat off them. Yeah, and I think I was the only guy, too, that had gone to college, so I was doing their taxes and <laughs> things like that on these bus rides. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right, fellas. We, we're working on the minor league book, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's going to be out soon. Oh, yeah, that would be would cool. Love that. Goodness. So then you made the jump back to football with the USFL. Yeah, I saw Andre, uh, Andre Dawson take batting practice in spring training and he was with the Expos, and I thought, okay, now this is the guy I'm supposed to beat out. All future Hall of Famer. I better find something else to do. So that's exactly what yeah, so I did. That's when you started doing taxes. <laughs> yeah, when I saw, <laughs> no, that's when I uh, jumped to the USFL. I, I said, there's no way. The ball just sounded like an explosion coming off his bat. I'm right. sure. And the bat had to be 36 inches and 52 ounces. When I picked that thing up, I said, wow, I'm swinging a toothpick compared Seriously. to this. This thing is like a telephone pole. They had a, uh, a very young outfield at the time. Warren Cromarty was in his early 20s. Uh, Tim Raines. I remember him. Rock uh, Raines, right? Rock Raines was uh, 22, 23 years old. And Andre Dawson, we had a... I think they had Gary Carter back then, too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, Carter was the catcher. But they... Uh, they weren't, didn't look like they were going anywhere. We had a guy that was a minor league player of the year. Fuentes was his name, and he was out of Florida State. He was an outfielder, and he was in AAA Indianapolis playing in the Expos organization, same time I was playing. And he hit like 50 home runs, drove in 140. And do you know where he was the next season? I never heard of him. Right so. back in AAA. Wow. Good Lord. Oh, but they had these yeah, they had uh, the, tremendous the outfielders. Outfield. Yeah. It seems like another team would have swooped in and be like, look, I know this kid ain't going anywhere. Let's let's do some wheeling and dealing. Yeah, I'm not sure about that end of the deal. But look, made some great friends and uh, lifelong friends along the way. It was really uh, so satisfying just to have, you know, played for a little bit and uh, to have been a part of that. It yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, did you know Donald Trump in the USFL? Yeah, I knew of him. Herschel was playing with New Jersey, and uh, we were at by we were owned by Fred Bullard. He was a car dealer down in the Jacksonville Duval County area, and uh, that was a blessing too. I got to play for Lindy Infante, who was an NFL uh, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, uh, really sort of a genius when it came to the passing game. So I learned a lot playing in the USFL. Uh, Handed it to two more Heisman Trophy winners. The little bit I got to play, we had Archie Griffin on the team, Mike Rozier. So, you know, the trivia question, Baloo handed it to three Heisman Trophy running backs. Everybody knows Herschel Walker, but they, they weren't aware of the Archie Griffin and Mike Rozier. But I made some lifelong friends down there and uh, learned a lot of football that I didn't learn at Georgia, and it's paid off through the years. You know, looking back on it all, I just know the good Lord had his hand on me. Uh, there, there were times I wondered, where is all this going to lead? And, you know, now 22nd year in sports talk radio, having 
experience the big-time college football, professional football, and then also the baseball side of things has really enabled me to have this longevity. Uh, a lot of information to pull from doing the show through the years. No question. But So this is something you may not know, Scott, that um, Buck married Cinderella. What? what now? But it, wasn't your wife Cinderella or something like that at, at, at Disney? Wasn't she like a princess down there or something? Yeah, Barbie. Barbie. Yeah, oh. they had uh, Barbie out at the theme park, and she was uh, one of the characters there. So I'm saying. That. So Larry Munson was right. You were dating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's worked. Her dad worked at Disney for over, I think it's 45 years, mm. and just recently retired. Wow. Now, what was it like a couple years in Jacksonville? Now, you had destroyed the Gators down there a lot, and now did you have fans uh, coming down there uh, on your side or harassing you when you were on that ball club? Yeah, it, well, there are a lot of Bulldog fans in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. so we, we had that working for us down yeah. there. That was that was really uh, you know great experience doing that. And uh, enjoyed my time in Jacksonville. Got a little radio work down there, you know, the uh, – the side gig down there as we were playing some football i was doing some early morning radio on some of the stations down there and sort of got my start in the radio business i didn't know that down in jacksonville now i know you started here at dickey broadcasting in 2000 right and you ended up at the usfl in 88 so what happened where where were you from like 90 to 2000 what were you into well, you know, I, I uh, <clears throat> went back home to Valdosta, and I had uh, two semesters to finish up my uh, college degree. And I had a, a choice. Do I go to Georgia, and, and do I, am I a grad assistant and doing a lot of grunt work? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do I go to Valdosta State, go back home? Mike Cavan, who was our running back coach at Georgia, and Kirby's right-hand man right now, had gotten the head coaching job, and he offered me a coaching job that allowed me to coach the quarterbacks and receivers at Valdosta State, the Blazer football program, while I was finishing up school. So I thought, okay, yeah, well, let's do, let's find out if I want to be a coach, a football coach. And during the two years, uh, able to finish up school and coach for a couple of years and, and found out that's not really what I wanted to do. And then I had this crazy idea. Look, let's get out of the sports realm. All right, let's let's do something else. All right, crazy. let's, let's move on with our What a crazy, crazy idea talk. that was. <laughs> yeah. So I go to Savannah, and I take a job with Savannah Foods and Industries, mm. Dixie Crystal Sugar. Heard of that brand? Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. That's a big brand. I got into the insurance business, property and casualty, uh, selling some insurance there in Savannah and said, you know, this is not exactly I think I miss sports. what I had in mind. <laughs> yeah. And so I get a call from a friend, Natalie Hendricks, who was a news anchor there in Savannah for years. And she says, Buck, our sports guy just left. So it'd be a great time for you to come on down and meet the news director. You know, we had spoken before about this is what I really wanted to do outside of sports was be a, a tv sportscaster so she gave me the heads up i went down got the job so it was sort of a leap of faith you know i'm taking a big pay cut and uh, it was a leap of faith jumping in there but stayed for three years my wife kelly uh, graduated from ucf after she got through at disney and she was a young re- a tv reporter that showed up at the same station in savannah again the good lord had his hand on me there always does and uh, showing me the way and we end up you know down the road getting married 
And then this opportunity here opened up, so I, I jumped and we moved up to Atlanta. How did that come down, though? So you're, you're at the, the station. Does Who calls you and says, hey, we got a gig in Atlanta that we think you're perfect for? Well, I, you know, it had been three years. I, I'd put, you know, sort of a time frame on sure. it. You know, now let's take the next jump. Mm-hmm. I always remember uh, my grandfather, Bullet Clements, who said, son, the more you can do, the better off you're going to be. And and I saw him living that life. He had his hand in a few differences. He had some uh, side gigs he was doing down in Valdosta, too. And so I didn't know if it was going to be in sports broadcasting. If I, you know, I enjoyed writing. Uh, there the book comes into play right there. Uh, so I, I didn't know if I'd be a sports writer or you know, radio or TV, but as it turns out, we've done all all three of those. Yeah, because you do that a lot here in town. Yeah, yeah, with uh, CBS forty six, Atlanta News first. Yeah, that's right. Now, yeah, come on now, yeah. So I, I got to keep. You got to catch up. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Imagine so that. we just uh, you know try to do as much as we can do, stay busy. And now it's twenty three years of Dickey Broadcasting, and you go, of course have the Buck Baloo Show on six eighty The Fan and ninety three point seven FM every weekday morning from ten to eleven a.m. That's that hour show. That's uh, amazing. To, it's like to, Hannity on that's, TV. That's right, man. That's great. And then also on the Podcast Park, you got two shows. You got Buck's Beat, and then I guess they replay the Buck Baloo Show there. On. And what do you think about the podcast format and uh, and what's going on with the Podcast Park? Uh, you like the podcast format? Or? You know, I do. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. And what I've done is just drawn contacts that I've, you know, uh, befriended a lot of people through the years. And, you know, it's been real easy, though, to give them a call and say, look, this is what I'm doing. Got a podcast we can record on any day. Let's just find a time that's good for you. And, and so we're working on episode number 80. There you go. This week. And we've had a lot of great guests and a lot of good conversation and, and hope that continues. Yeah, you can pick up Bucks Beat. You can get that on any of the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google. Yeah, and it's a lot anywhere. on the Bulldogs and Braves. Mm-hmm. We've got some some of the musicians have come yeah. on through the years. I know. I know. Who is who did you most recently T. Graham Brown. Let's go. And the Rio right. Diamond Band, Dude, I baby. I love wow. T. Graham Brown. So wow. good. He was so talented. He was such a great country artist in the 80s and 90s. Top of the line. He was playing when I was uh, at Georgia doing some of the frat houses. We saw him perform many a time up there and been a fan ever since. I want to get into talking to you about some music, but before we do that, um, a couple of quick hits on sports. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you a few things uh, that listeners want to know about. This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach, beautiful Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today. 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast. Braves Country also sponsored by Smith's Old Bar, best live music venue in Atlanta since 1994, located in the heart of Midtown at 1578 Piedmont Avenue. Smith's Old Bar is a neighborhood joint for everyone. Check out smithsoldbar.com for the current concert calendar and tickets. See y'all at Smith's. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 
Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. First of all, the dogs, back-to-back national championships. Uh, what's your take on the future for the dogs? How are we going to look? The future? Yeah. How do you, you think we're gonna run keep it going? back for a three-peat? Yeah. I don't yeah, see why you wouldn't. I mean, I've heard you say on the air that uh, you think the, the center coming back is the biggest deal. Yeah, I do. Uh, look, I played for a great center at Georgia, Ray Donaldson. He was from Rome, Georgia, and I never felt as well protected as I did standing behind Ray Donaldson my sophomore year playing at Georgia. He went on to play in the NFL for 17 years. I believe. Imagine that. Uh, just a great center. Uh, the the center helps the quarterback so much, and it's more than just the snap of the ball. I mean, you got to have this trust that you establish through repping it. You know, with the snap, you can't even really think about that. You got so many other things on your mind uh, during the snap of the ball. That's got to be sort of uh, you know something you take for granted just through work and repetition. But he's calling the blocking scheme, the pass blocking schemes. He is doing so much to help a quarterback that you know having a Van Pran come back is is the best thing that could have happened for this Georgia offense moving forward they're going to have a first year starter at quarterback mm-hmm. and Van Pran's going to do so much to help whether it's Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton or or somebody else whoever it's going to be Van Pran being right in the middle that to me that's where if I was building an offense I'd start with a, an outstanding center getting it started you think the center kind of equates to the catcher in baseball as far as being a field general absolutely yeah that's a great comparison right there just an outstanding that they don't get enough credit the center for all the things that they do plus van pran is one of the leaders on this football team so that's huge as far as leadership goes okay another big subject i wanted to hit getting the players a little more under control or maybe having some supervision in my estimation sports organizations whether it's pro college even maybe high school, I would have a, a fleet of drivers that are ready to take these guys anywhere they want to go. I would ne- And they're pro drivers, and that's what they do. I would not uh, let people run around all willy-nilly like they kind of do. And I don't know whose fault that is. I'm not trying to f- point fingers, but it, it seems to me when you're – when you're that on that level of performance and you need we we in the music industry we don't let guys drive around by themselves and we certainly don't put them in the car with just anybody we have drivers yeah. you know well my heart goes out to the families uh, involved in the wreck the tragic accident heart goes out to the families uh, Devin Willock and LaCroix I, Chandler I think, yeah, yeah Chandler, Chandler LaCroix. LaCroix just can't imagine getting that phone call that those parents got it it's is, really really uh, took the uh, joy out of the national championship victory yeah, it did. It deflated a little bit. And then, you know, then recently you had the transfer come in from Mississippi State, rah rah. Yeah. Got, got when you think you have it covered, you realize you don't. And they had the staff member, you know, driving one of the vehicles there. Yeah, it's just the you worst. You just can't imagine that yeah, just something like that would happen. Yeah, it's just the absolute Well, you can't worst. imagine it, but there is something to be said for. Um, Preparation? Yeah, preve- you know, I mean. Prevention? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, a little well, bit. Well, the staff member tightening. was driving. Not a professional driver. I'd have uh, cars for these. I'd have SUVs. I mean, well, they did. They had an SUV. That's what it was. But I know what you mean with pro drivers versus drivers that can be influenced or or younger. But it's easy to look back and and play, no pun intended, Monday morning quarterback, you know, and say, man, here's what we could have, should have, you know. Of course, you can learn from it. But maybe we got to tweak the culture a little bit, though. Yeah. No, it's not. No, absolutely. I think think that's right. Hey, um, yeah, I've got a daughter in college, and, you know, you you just. you send them to college and you 
you expect them to to come home from college you know and when you go through something like these parents have gone through just just can't imagine the agony involved with that yeah it's it's upsetting this is the braves country podcast on the braves radio network um what about the braves 2023 atlanta braves i uh i really like grissom i don't fall in love with players anymore and maybe maybe for good reason because they don't stick around a long time it doesn't seem i wasn't upset when freddie left i'm not upset when dansby's left I, yeah, I learned my lesson when they traded Murphy back in yeah, the day. Back was in, like, yeah, it was like 87. I, yeah, I don't know how anybody could really be upset with either, well, with, with Swanson in particular, because the the contract offer was significantly different. Yeah, it um, was. Dramatically different with the money he got in Chicago. So I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not upset with Dansby, but uh, I wonder how we're going to replace him, right? Because he, you know, he, uh, he swung the bat, he played defense, he was, ran the bases, I think he was probably the most competitive guy on that team. Seems like it. He but and Max Freed. I, I see those two guys as the most competitive guys on the, on the baseball team. And, and so I think uh, you you got to have some of those dudes on, on the team playing Major League Baseball. They're going to bring it every single day. You know, they could care less about the stats. and They're just looking to win another baseball game. And then tomorrow, let's do it again, you know. And so I think we're going to miss that. There's no way uh, Von Grissom can replace what Dansby was bringing to the table. And I don't expect him to. I just want him to be Vaughn. Yeah. You know, I was really impressed. My first impression of Von Grissom was, was uh, I was impressed, uh, you know, with his makeup. He seemed to be so mature for a 21-year-old kid. He, he seemed to be trying to soak up the knowledge every single day. When they showed the dugout, it looked like he was over in there talking to somebody about baseball, trying to learn something. So that impressed me about him. He swung the bat. We didn't get a chance to see him play shortstop, uh, I think was in the bigs for 41 games, 39 of them, playing second base. He only played shortstop one game. So we had a really small sample size to try to figure out whether he's going to make it or not. But I think the critics, though, say, look, he's just got a, he's got a big body to be a shortstop, 6'3", 215. Seems more like an outfielder. But, hey, you know, was Cal Ripken too big? No. Yeah, not, well, not that I'm comparing him no, to, no, I know to what Ripken. You mean, but, uh, look, Ron Washington has been working with him. A couple of weeks they've spent down in New Orleans, uh, two one-week sessions. I think they got another one probably going on right now before the pitchers and catchers show up. And uh, sounds like Ron Washington's been impressed with what he's seen, too, with and his I trust ability to, to play defensively at the major league level at shortstop. But he's a good all-around player. Seems like a great teammate. Man, I'm pulling for him. I can't wait to see more of him at shortstop. Is there any piece that the Braves are missing in your estimation? I think we're, you know, uh, the big question we just spoke about, can Grissom replace Dansby Swanson? That is the big story Mm -hmm. going into spring training. But, uh, look, we got Acuna back to 100%. We got Albies back to 100%. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Olson can't wait to see him uh, again at you know the first year with a new organization and it's got to be a little uh, uncomfortable uh, but so I'm expecting him to show us even more than he showed us a year ago he's going to be better than he was last season uh, Austin Riley I've always been convinced he was going to be an outstanding player and he's certainly done that I like Sean Murphy the catcher they brought in who is a good all-around player and he's going to fit in great uh Excited about more Michael Harris out, out in center field. Uh, Absolutely. Left field and, and then Ozuna is the DH. I think oh, those are two tough. other areas we need to be paying attention Shoot, to coming yeah. in. 
That's one of those places where the, we need that uh, adult supervision, perhaps. Again, <laughs> Rotation's looking good, though. I mean, we've got Freed up there, uh, Wright, Strider, Morton. Can't wait to see if Anderson's put it back together again. He, he needed, needs a third pitch. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that breaking ball, you know, he's got the fastball, he's got the changeup. Breaking ball's uh, going to be huge for him to be, uh, be able to make it back in there. Um, Soroka's a really interesting storyline on what he's trying to come back from. Elder, I think, showed us something last year, the way he can pitch. It's not about velocity. It's about pitching. Greg Maddox style. Who's yeah, going to be the closer? Who's going to be the closer this year? Well, I year? think Iglesias is the guy, and uh, credit Anthopoulos for getting him in here. Mm-hmm. The trade deadline last year, he was phenomenal down the stretch. I, yeah. I think it was it was something ridiculous, like 30 or 31 appearances without giving up a run. So I really liked what he brought to the table. Uh, Jimenez, they, they add to the back end of the bullpen. McHugh, Mentor, I think we're in good shape down there in the bullpen. I like the way that sounds. I like that, Man, too. Man, anytime I can get a good Brave season and a good Bulldog season, it is, um, that's, that's, that's good living right there. That's no, that's, that's, uh, there's nothing better. Where's the leadership come from? Yeah, that, that's interesting, too. I think the Pilar uh, pickup here over the last week or so, uh, Pilar is a guy that can come in here. He's got that toughness. That He's a veteran player. He's going to have a voice in the clubhouse people are going to pay attention to. Uh, I think Murphy is another one, a veteran player behind the plate, will we'll accept some of the leadership role. So I don't think we're in bad shape there either. A lot of the, It's tough for these young players to step up and really be regarded as one of the leaders in the club, well, the could, spokesperson for the team when the media comes Acuna, in. You could see Acuna or Albies do that at some point. Well, maybe. I think Ozzy does. Uh, he's already taken some of that leadership role. I wouldn't look for Acuna to be, yeah, see, to be part of that. I don't see just that Just not in, in his personality, yeah. it doesn't seem like. Not, and that's not a slander. It's not a no. slide at him. It's just not who he is. Right. And I can see it with Albies. I really do. I see him as a, as a, a genuine leader. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you see it all the time when you you see him in the dugout. He's over there talking with – so I think he's the guy that sort of has uh, kept Acuna in, in line a little bit, you know, saying, look, you got to run that ball out. Yeah. Uh, things along those lines. Uh, he's been really good. I've heard him in the media recently, too, uh, predicting that Acuna will be back better than ever this year. So that's uh, – pressure from your buddy always helps out a little bit. Yeah, man. Bit. Back Absolutely. with a vengeance. There Let's hope yeah. so. Gosh, I hope so. Well, uh, let's talk about music, man. Uh, what are you listening to these days? Uh, being from South Georgia, I wondered if you knew uh, Mr. Jason Aldean or Luke Bryan or are you buddies with any of those guys? or uh, Are you listening to country music at all? You know, more so than, than I have recently. Uh, both my daughter, who's uh, playing the guitar and singing, she, she really loves it, and uh, my wife also are into the... Uh, the the country scene, prime country. It yeah, seems to 80s be on and the, 90s. Yeah, it seems to be in, uh, playing in the car when I get in their cars. You know, it's always in. So I grew up in Valdosta, Georgia, and so, you know, the country and western scene was big down there. And we uh, we had a big-name star coming out of Valdosta. Now his son's doing so Thomas, well. Thomas Rhett's his Thomas son. Rhett, and yeah. Red Aikens Red Aikens was a, a quarterback, and I remember him when he was – you know, he was out coming watching uh, me play high school football, and he seemed to be there a lot, man. And then next thing you know, he's you know he's a big star, and his son, son's come up and that ain't my truck. Job. Yeah, and that I know I know who he wrote that song about. I know the story. Do you really? I do. That's yeah. cool. And the best I know, all right, there was a quarterback from Valdosta High, Greg Talley, was his name, and uh, Eric Zier ended up 
taking its job at Georgia. How about that? And that's who that song is about. Well, he had a sister, Deborah, who Rhett was going oh, out right, with. Right, 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 right. Got it, got it. And I guess he drove by their house, which is on one of the, you know, main roads there in Valdosta. And I noticed there was another truck in the driveway. That ain't my truck at her drive. Right. That ain't my day tonight. Yeah, it turned out to be a big hit song for him. And now his son is one of the biggest stars in all yeah, of country music. Yeah, he's killing it, Thomas Rhett's blowing it. And huge Georgia fans, both. Yeah. Big Braves fans. I, uh, you know, I love the rock and roll scene, too, in the 70s. Uh, my grandfather had this place on the lake. They called it the Pavilion. And basically, it was a snack bar and then a chance where you could uh, put your boat out onto the lake for the day. And then at the end of the day, you'd get it on out and take it back home. And, and so I had a job down there during the summer, and I was in charge of the uh, uh, taking care of the game room, you know. And so the jukebox was in there. And notoriously, they'd come get the change out of the jukebox They'd play about two hours of music uh, for me, <clears throat> you know, as they left with all the change. And so really loved the rock and roll of the 70s. And the uh, R&B, big fan of the R&B. Yeah. So meeting James Brown up at Georgia well, and hanging out with see, JB a little bit. I'm glad you brought that, that up. That was fun. Uh, because we had a singer-songwriter, Corey Smith. He's a guy out of Athens. Every dog has his day. <clears throat> loves Georgia football. It, it, Scott Munn, who's been in the music business for 30 years, calls him the poet laureate of georgia football and he couldn't wait when he was in here the first thing he asked was like is buck here because he wanted to be able to meet you and and have a picture with you and and i know that's cool but that gets me to the james brown story because this is legendary that the the piara i was like well hang on i know what a tiara is but i don't know what a yeah buck rolled in here and told this story and it was just had us all cracking up that was great yeah, so look, uh, James Brown's out of practice, and he showed up multiple times, 79, 80, uh, along in there. He would come to practice, and, you know, I would uh, be so distracted, man. I'd keep looking over and saying, look at James Brown over there, man. How cool is that? Man, how awesome is that? And so after practice, James called me over there to, to talk with him, and he says, Blue, he says, man, you got to get some Piara. And I was thinking, okay, what's he talking about here? He says, yeah, man, you letting Herschel get all that Piara. You're not getting any of that Piara. And I was saying, Piara? Oh, public relations. <laughs> That's what he's talking about, PR. So good. And, so good. Yeah, so he was getting on me about that, saying, man, you got to you gotta speak up a little bit, man. Get some of that PR out there. Herschel's getting all of it. <laughs> And then he was actually, uh, there was one of the games, and I believe it was 1979, where there was a timeout, and uh, the offense is on the field, and we're in the huddle. And we look over, and there's James Brown up on the cheerleading platform, and he's doing a song, Dooley's Junkyard Dogs, and did the split and came up spinning. And, boy, the student section went crazy. I bet they did. We were in the huddle saying, man, look at JV over there, man. Dude, people are here to watch us, and they're watching him. That is awesome. So cool. I love it when sports and music come together. That's just a great moment. I've seen pictures of that, and it just must have been great to be there and see that. Wow. Love me some James Brown. Yeah, he he loved football, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He He was an Augusta guy. Macon, Augusta. Augusta, Augusta, yeah. 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 There's a great bar over there that uh, called the Soul Bar, where he used to go play pool after they had closed down. And he'd show up, the limo would pull up, he'd get out in his uh, robe and cowboy boots and go in there and shoot pool at the Soul Bar. So if anybody's over there, go check out the Soul Bar. You'll I miss pictures JB. all over the world. Me, yeah, too, me too, man. Yeah. Living in America, 
Remember that from Rocky IV? Godfather oh, or so. Man. Gosh, that was one of the greatest movie scenes of all time when he's doing Limited America in Rocky IV, man. I love it. Still gives me cold chills this day. Yeah. So good. Now, one of Atlanta's best singer-songwriters is Dave Franklin, and he's a friend of the show and a buddy of mine for a long time, and he joined us on episode 32. Folks, you check that out. Uh, he might be your biggest fan, Buck. Uh, he loves your radio career. He's probably listened to every word of it. Um he wanted me to say hello to you. He wants to come in and meet you sometime. And also, he wanted me to pass along the message that he's really glad you've gone solo. That's what we call it in the, in the music business. And uh, now he, he loves your show, but he's also uh, wanted to let you know that he really enjoyed when you would destroy your former Yankee broadcast partner about, <laughs> about Northern versus Southern football culture and fan bases. Yeah. Old Kincaid. He loved it. Yeah, Kincaid, we'd have these pre-show meetings, which they encouraged, you know, prior to the show getting underway. And notoriously, Kincaid would say, man, the, you know, the Eagles are doing this, the Phillies are doing that. How about the Sixers? And, <laughs> and if I said it once, I said it a thousand times, you know, uh, Kincaid, look, I'm sure that's a big story in Philadelphia. But uh, nobody wants to hear that down here in Atlanta. He gets so frustrated at me, you know. Oh, yeah, I can't believe it. Well, well let me talk about Philadelphia. Well, Southern uh, football and sports is just a different thing than up there, really. I mean, it's, it's yeah, in our culture. Yeah, I just down there. Uh, grew to realize, look, the only college football program Kincaid was aware of was Penn State. Wow. And that was the only uh, college football program that got any attention up in the Northeast. And, and John, being a Temple guy, of course, was crushing them. Yeah. Every chance he could, he was taking shots at Joe Pa and that's probably rightfully so. Is the way it ended yeah, up. I could understand that part of it at the time, but uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, I think it. Uh, the NFL so big up there. I mean, it's generational up in the Northeast. They didn't really embrace college football, and down here we didn't have the NFL teams way back when. Right, so you know, it was all about college football down here. It's funny because my wife grew up. She chose the New England Patriots. She grew up in New York, and her dad's a big uh, uh, Giants fan, rather. And she just chose the Patriots just to be able to watch the game with him and have something to go at him about, right? And so when she moved to Georgia when we got married, I was like, I know you already got a you know pro football team. It don't matter. And I know you're a Yankees fan. I'm going to do the best I can with that. (laughs) And But you don't have a college football team. She was like, I never watched college football in a day in my life. And I was like, well, congratulations. Let me get you your Georgia hat and your Georgia shirt. And I was like, the only thing that will ever cause a rift in this family, if you ever cheer against the Georgia Bulldogs, you better find I-81 back to New York. We love you, Tug. <laughs> and let me tell you, she has become the biggest Georgia fan in the world. Like it used to be when Georgia lose on the weekend, it'd ruin my weekend. Now, it, it, at least then she didn't understand it. And she was like, why would you let this ruin your whole weekend? And so I got better about it. Now I'm like, dang it, they lost and let's move on. Now she's the one. She's like, I can't believe they lost. I can, what is? And she's taking the role of me well, losing my mind. She's been happy a lot here the last two years. Yeah, she ain't yeah. had to be, yeah, she had to be sure. as upset. But you know, it's funny. You brought up when George was in the national championship most recently out in L.A. that you decided not to go because there were some things that you wanted to do with your family. And that's who you are. And that's the thing that I think I admire about you the, the very most. You know, the one thing, my dad was always there during my uh, athletic career and i just can't tell you how much now that i'm a dad that influences me i, I want to be there and you know i've had some people through the years saying but how come you're not doing that game day show on espn and i was thinking wow think of all the 
the games that Herb Street has missed. With his uh, voice. Right. Uh, being a part of that. And I just couldn't imagine not being at the high school game on a Friday night because I was calling a game on the weekend. And just so thankful that 680 The Fan here allowed me to, you know, work mainly Monday through Friday. And we did that early Saturday morning college football show for about 20 years. And we were doing it. Say, Baloo, you're up at the crack of dawn on Saturday morning. Well, you know, the youth league football was like, you know, some of the games were 9 a.m. So that's why we were doing that show so early in the morning so I could get to those games. And I just couldn't imagine working on the weekend and, and missing the boys out there playing football. My daughter was a cheerleader, wanted to be a part of that too. And now she's a dog too, just a different kind of dog. Yeah, she's blazing her own trail. She didn't want to hear about Dad anymore playing football at Georgia. She's out at Mississippi State and doing great. Found a home there and really happy. And, great program, uh, great school. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I've got some friends there. I had a neighbor, uh, John Bond, who went on to play quarterback at Mississippi State, and so he's introduced me to a lot of his good people out, a lot of good people out in Mississippi, guys. Yeah. A lot of them are uh, Mississippi State fans, so we're just so thankful she's found a home there and doing really well. Yeah, I tell you that um, not a lot of times do celebrities passing, and I'll include coach leach as a celebrity because that's all i know him as you know but that one stuck with me i ain't gonna lie that one's that one that one got to me i you know lisa marie presley i mean i'm sorry i don't but i don't have any connection to her there was just something special about mike leach and the way he handled people and the way he handled himself and you got to know him a little bit didn't you yeah we had a valdosta connection one of his first coaching jobs was at valdosta state coaching football there and he had a young family uh you know we've talked about it several times where he was uh you know living in an apartment there azalea oaks he told me the uh, apartment complex (laughs) they'd go out on the tennis court he and his daughter and she was into fast pitch softball and that's where she honed her skills there was on the tennis court throwing it to dad and and anytime i saw coach leach through the years we, we spent probably, uh, you know, the last time I saw him was over at Mississippi State. It was one of the baseball games, and he heard I was in, at the game, and uh, somebody came over and said, hey, Coach Leach wants you to come up here and talk to him. And, man, I spent about an hour hearing about Valdosta again and all the great memories he had with his family uh, coaching there at Valdosta State. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, man, that was uh, just so thankful I, I was able to have that time with him before he – he passed away but just uh an awesome dude and just can't believe he's gone me either and you know that's it's one of those things where i'm i'm a pretty faithful guy and i share my faith i'm not not afraid of it not shy of it not ashamed of it or anything and and that's that's one of those things where you're like man you're trying to figure out the good lord's plan for everything and you, you, know, you talked about it with yourself and, and your kids and where the good lord's guiding you and and um that's one of those things i've been still trying to reconcile like what you know what? How, why? Why that guy? You know why he's had such great influence over so many great people. And, and I don't pretend to understand. You know, yeah. be on be on that level with the Lord. But sometimes trying to figure out His will and and to live it myself. But but figure out what what yeah. He's got planned is that's tough. He was just so fun to talk to, uh, and it wasn't about football a lot of the time. It was about other things. But he was uh, approachable and really comfortable. I think talking with anybody. You know, I saw him having conversations with people he didn't know and just was so comfortable doing so. And you see a lot of these coaches that are not comfortable uh, talking to the common folk out there. I don't know if it's ego or 
money in the bank or what it is. Maybe but, a combination of all of it. Yeah, I think uh, Coach Leach, though, he was one of a kind. He certainly was. And uh, so after the, after the football game and after church, uh, everybody's got to get their food in. And that's our favorite part of the show. One of our favorite subjects is Southern food. And uh, we got to ask everybody, do uh, you got any kind of uh, off-the-radar spots, mom-and-pop, Southern cooking, uh, barbecue, yeah. any of that kind of stuff, whether it's in Valdosta, Athens, Atlanta, Forsyth County? Give it up. Tell us we where, you, where you stop the We have the breakfast spot in metro atlanta is fagan's biscuit barn yes sir all right and it can't be a mile and a half from our home and it is the uh the best southern cooking man that that i've ever had uh the you can get a biscuit any time of the day right Uh, off peachtree parkway right right yeah peachtree parkway up in uh, the coming area and so you can get a biscuit any time of the day. I just love that. Uh, now, what do you get on your and biscuit? just grew up in Valdosta. We had, you know, a lot of these, uh, well, we had a handful of these spots where you would go in for lunch and pick out your meat, the three vegetables. Uh, do you want a biscuit or the cornbread? And mm-hmm. grab your glass of sweet tea and go sit down with, with all the other folks in town. And just good eating, you know. And, and that's one of the things I like to do as I travel around from time to time is when you go into these towns is you, you talk to the people that, that you know and say, okay, where's the best lunch spot? I mean, that's who's right. serving up the good southern cooking? And where can you get some country fried steak or the, the fried chicken and get the three vegetables and the biscuit and the cornbread they're all over the state of georgia you got to have them and if you, if you can't find anybody to tell you you just look wherever the police cars are parked <laughs> you can usually find it that's where the good lunch is right there yeah so. fagan's biscuit barn now what do you here. get on your biscuit how do you do your biscuit oh i'll uh, i'll change it up i'm not gonna do it the same all the time i'm a big mm-hmm. fan of just some butter and some grape jelly Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, Kelly makes this freezer jam that we have at home that uh, most of the time strawberry freezer jam uh, that goes well on a hot biscuit with Heck a little yeah. butter. But I mean, who, how could you be against a, a bacon biscuit or a sausage oh, it'd biscuit? It'd be hard. You'd have to be a communist or something. I'm, I think I'm one of the few people too still in love with a good portion of grits. Son, I love you know, some cheese grits. grit, hot cheese grits on a cold morning. Doesn't get any better than that. My son will eat a vat of grit uh, of grits. If you put some cheese in there, good lord, right. crunch up some bacon, cut up some sausage, throw it in there. That's good living right there, Buck. Yeah, we had King's Grill down in Valdosta, and that's where, you know, I remember going in with Dad and my grandfather, Bullet Clements, and, you know, they had a guy named Lefty that, that would sit in the back of King's Grill. This is a spot, breakfast spot in Valdosta. It's not there anymore, but it was downtown, and I'd go in there, and, it, you know, the men would pile in there, get them a cup of coffee on the way to work, and see what everybody was talking about, Valdosta high football, and, you know, the game coming up on Friday night, and, and I said, who's that man sitting in the back? And they said, that's Lefty. And I said, Lefty, uh, what's Lefty do? And he, well, as it turns out, he was the bookie. <laughs> I meant to uh, say, he had to have something. Yeah, <laughs> Lefty like was Lefty, in there taking, going on. taking the bets. They, they had high school football lines they were betting on down there. Good. Valdosta minus 30 against Albany High, you know? <laughs> I love it. I'm sure you always covered. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> that was good living right there, man. There ain't nothing better than growing up in the South. And anybody who disagrees with that is plain wrong. That's just all there is to it. Buck, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, it's been fun hanging out. Thanks sure, so much. Man. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. You always got an in, uh, invite back, and we always welcome you. You know what? There's no bigger Dogs fan or bigger Braves fan than Buck Baloo. Check him out on the fan daily, and then the podcast, the podcast park, Buck's Beat, 
and uh, the ride and all the things that Buck does uh, on what's the new name of the uh, the more you can do. Remember what what what's the the extra innings? No, I was talking that's about the, the YouTube thing we're doing now. Oh, yeah, We've had another. About that. Extra things when the show ends twice a week, we'll go get uh, on our YouTube channel at 680 The Fan and do a little live uh, deep dive into whatever it is, Braves or Bulldogs, whatever we're talking about. You know yeah. what? You know what else I really like is uh, you do this quick thing on the way in called the ride. The ride, the ride. That's that. on the way out. Okay, the, yeah, you drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the ride. And that, you know, Kevin Butler, uh, my good friend, uh, the kicker from Georgia, went on to play with the Chicago Bears, won a Super Bowl up there. He was the one that came up with that. He mm-hmm. said, man, why don't you do something after the show and put it on Twitter just to uh, further talk about one of the topics you had on the show. So that's been a big hit. That's cool. We appreciate KB chiming in on that. Absolutely. You can find Buck at BuckBaloo8. That is at BuckBaloo, spelled B-E-L-U-E, at BuckBaloo8. And then, of course, uh, every weekday, 10 to 11 on 680 The Fan, home of the Atlanta Braves. Now, we appreciate it again. Y'all come back now, you hear? This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach, beautiful Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today, 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast. Braves Country, also sponsored by Smith's Old Bar, best live music venue in Atlanta since 1994, located in the heart of Midtown at 1578 Piedmont Avenue. Smith's Old Bar is a neighborhood joint for everyone. Check out smithsoldbar.com for the current concert calendar and tickets. See y'all at Smith's. Braves Country supports the Warrior Alliance and the Shepherd's Men, two phenomenal veteran organizations based in the South. Check out thewarrioralliance.org and shepherdsmen.com for more info and resources. That's the warrioralliance.org and shepherdsmen.com. Braves Country would like to thank all of our nation's great veterans. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 